0: Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more?
1: Hey there, and welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Matt, the founder and CEO of Giving, to the podcast. Um, SoftGiving is a payment processing solution, and their mission is to revolutionize the way people can support nonprofits through passive, reoccurring fundraising technology. And I'm really excited to learn a little bit more. Let's dive in. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast.
0: Hey, how are you?
1: Good. Thanks so much for coming and for all of our listeners tuning in. We're certainly excited to learn more about soft giving, and I can't wait to hear how it how you got started, the, the history of that, kind of as a pivot point to start something. So, I suppose let's just dive right in and will you share with our listeners a little bit more about what Soft Giving is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me on today. So, Soft Giving, uh, what we do is create alternative recurring fundraising solutions for nonprofits. And so, what we're trying to solve for is really getting that next generation of donors and supporters of nonprofits uh, activated so that they can become a, a strong, uh, reliable source of, of revenue for nonprofits going forward is their parents uh, stop giving as much and nonprofits uh, need to find more sources. And so we try to specialize on tools that can help really provoke them into giving more and giving more frequently. And that's what we spend each and every day doing, trying to figure that out.
1: That's amazing. So when you talk about Activate, kind of those customers for nonprofits, what do you mean by that?
0: Sure. So what we want a, a prospective donor or supporter of a, a nonprofit to do is we want them to start giving uh, just a little bit every single day and, and just start building that habit of giving back to organizations they care about and, and microtransactions that enable them to really feel like they're part of that nonprofit and supporting them without... Uh, being financially disruptive to that own individual's budget.
1: That's really interesting. So how how is this kind of you like tap into their it's almost like a Venmo type transaction and it just auto drafts, you know, like you say okay, I want to donate a dollar to this foundation every day and a dollar to this one. Um, how does that I guess back end what does that look like?
0: Sure. So so a big part of it is we treat it like um uh, we kind of mix the benefits that you receive from like an affinity card or kind of like a rewards card into giving, and uh, and we tie it to to micro donations, which uh, are essentially just small amounts of change that somebody gives daily. And so, a couple of ways in of which we do that: uh, one is through our product called uh, Roundup, where the donor links their debit card or credit card to their favorite nonprofit, and they donate the rounded up change from their everyday purchases. So every time they go to Starbucks, they go to Publix, they go to Chick-fil-A, that transaction is rounded up to the nearest dollar and donated to their favorite nonprofit to where they link their card. The other method is what we call daily change, and that's just an, enables somebody to give just a small amount of change every day. And so they can give anywhere between $0.29 cents and $0.99 cents per day. We keep track of it, and when the total donation uh goes towards, uh, uh, approaches $10, we then debit them and, and credit their nonprofit. And so it allows somebody to, you know, give small amounts frequently without having a adverse effect to their budget.
1: Oh, okay. And so is the platform similar to, um, I don't think GoFundMe is, is like this, but some of those crowdsourcing sites where the, you guys, I guess, business model wise, get a percentage of whatever is donated. Is that the business model?
0: So, we actually charge a a fixed amount per donor per month. And uh, the reason why we do that is when we started, we, we looked at other different business models and we thought, oh, everybody's doing percentages, so we should too. And what we really found out was that on top of the percentages, all these companies were charging these one off fees, these setup fees, these subscription fees. Uh, And they weren't really delivering much from a donation standpoint. And so a nonprofit would receive, you know, an example, receive $100 and, you know, $30 of that would go towards fees. Uh, Obviously, that's on a small, super small scale. But with us, we package other uh, different services along with each donor tier. So if somebody signs up for our lowest donor tier... They're giving a fixed amount per donor per month, but we're not really supporting that nonprofit at all. So they're kind of on their own and they can just license our service, our, our platform. Where at our high donor tier. We are an extension of their marketing team. And so we create marketing plans, we create assets, we create um, emails, social media posts, we facilitate rewards programs, uh, engage social media influencers, uh, all these various different aspects on that nonprofit's behalf, and they only uh, pay if we are successful. So a paper per donor.
1: That's so that's so interesting. And I think like such a disruption to those typical models like you mentioned, how did you come up with the idea? where did the kind of what's the pro, um, the start? the foundation of the company
0: sure so early on we thought okay like we can just beat beat our competitors or we can just make it look like card processing and so we can just charge you know one and a half percent plus 20 cents per transaction and uh, and then call it call it a day but as we kind of kept going into the model model further we we just wanted to keep simplifying it and just keeping making it easier and easier. And we kept thinking like, okay, the process to sign up for our solution is really easy. Somebody just links their debit card or credit card and away they are. But when you're communicating like the pricing, it just got really confusing. And we, we knew other companies did that intentionally just so they could maximize their fees. And so we had the novel idea of just being straightforward with our pricing. And so we backed away from the implementation fee, the subscription fee, the transaction fee. And we thought, you know what, we can just bundle this all together and make one fee that's clear and concise as to what it's going to cost a nonprofit. And what that did was enable nonprofits to, to work with us at a much quicker pace because they weren't having to go back and look at their budget and, and figure out how much they had allocated to new soft, you know, software they could say, well, yeah, we can give this a try because we're not out anything because it's only going to cost us money if it works. And we only uh credit the nonprofit uh money raised. And so we just deduct our fees out of the funds that we've received and net credit them the remainder amount. And so a nonprofit signs up with soft giving, they're only receiving money. They're never actually paying us and being debited.
1: Did you come from a nonprofit background?
0: I did. Um, just a real quick kind of background of uh, me and nonprofits. I grew up raised by a single mother, my uh, brother and I, uh, back in Ankeny, Iowa. We, uh, my mom was a, uh, a secretary and, well, they call them secretaries back then. Now she's an executive assistant. And in order for her to support us, she had to go and get her associate's degree at a local community college and then work full time. And we didn't have any friends or family in Iowa at the time because we were pretty new there. And so in order to support the family, we had to go to the Boys and Girls Club before and after school. We had to go to the YMCA over the summers. We uh, got our clothes and our bicycles from the Salvation Army and Goodwill. And so we had to depend on a lot of nonprofit services in order for us to really be a cohesive family. And Growing up at the time, we didn't recognize them as nonprofit services. We just thought it was just going to daycare, going to summer camp, getting a bike, getting clothes. And so it was really a testament to the services they were providing. As I got older, I eventually started volunteering a lot more. And that led to me sitting on some nonprofit boards where I just saw that the fundraising uh, set up today is, is really antiquated. It's, it relies on check donors, and so 90% of donations received today come in the form of a check. Um, it's uh, wealthier individuals that are, are giving more, uh, those that can write the larger checks. The, the nonprofits aren't really set up to, to receive donations from, from smaller individuals, and they just didn't have the, the tools or the technology. And so at that same time, I was, uh, I happened to be the director of a payment association back in Iowa uh, at a company called Shazam. And at that time, uh, I was just uh, going around the country speaking on payment issues and what it was being done for in the for-profit space. And I just kept, uh, couldn't shake an idea that I had in my head about how you could use payment technology to really grow charitable giving. And so after a few years, I I quit my job and started down the path of trying to get uh, soft giving going.
1: I love that. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing history and the idea. And I think it's really interesting how a lot of the business owners we talked to on the show come from, you know, they saw an opportunity or they saw something that they could make better with a solution. Um, and I think it's always neat to hear what sparked the idea in the first place, and kind of the need that um, the need that was there, and then the solution that that you've created. I think that's um, kudos to you. I think it's an awesome product, and it sounds super innovative. What are what are kind of your thoughts on? Um, I feel like the market's craving this transparency in where their money's going, and and nonprofit specifically in the nonprofit space or perhaps like certain generations like want to know how they're giving, how it's actually contributing. Have you, you know, in working with so many nonprofits, have you started to see any of them shift into this like transparency model where a hundred percent of funds go here or kind of just a different model as a whole in the nonprofit space?
0: Yes, we have uh, some of our partners that are very clear about uh, marketing that 90%, 85% 90%, 85% of their donations go directly into the field. And so they try to maintain an administrative cost of around 10 15% of whatever they raise. And they know, like, by being transparent about that, that it'll make the donors more comfortable and they'll be willing to give more. And uh, it's a real uh, change from, from the past. And so my parents would sit down at the, the end of the year... Uh, and they just cut checks to the same nonprofits every year, and they just knew that giving was just something that they were supposed to do, and they really didn't really know what where exactly that money went. But uh, they were, uh, you know, conditioned to to give. Where our generation, it's um, it's almost more transactional. And so, okay, if I'm giving you twenty dollars, what does my twenty dollars give me in value, and is that? Am I helping build um, you know, an orphanage? Am I helping uh, you know, five students learn to read? Am I uh, providing shelter for, for four animals? Like exactly what does my per dollar value look like? And, and then they can make a determination like that. It's, it's truly become a, almost like an Amazon uh, setup as far as uh, how people use their, their funds these days.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you find that sometimes you're almost in kind of like a consultative role of, well, we've seen this prof- nonprofit do really well because this is kind of the messaging that they've led with? Or um, like do they lean to you guys to say what actually performs best?
0: Uh, some do and some don't. And so the, the challenge that we face uh, week in and week out is there's no, there's no fundraising professionals at nonprofits with a background in, an, in alternative fundraising. They they all have a background in raising uh, money from check donors, and so when you go and approach them and you try to communicate the solution and what they need to do, uh, they they more often are not default back into what they know, and so our challenge is really finding those that are willing to listen to our advice, take our guidance. And, and really think outside the box and how they approach that next generation of donors because they, they just don't respond the same way as their, their parents do. And it can be a, a real challenge. And, and unfortunately, there's been you know, a number of times where we haven't been successful with a nonprofit because we just can't get over that hurdle. Um, hmm. But there are those that it does work really well and, and they see a lot of success.
1: you challenged sometimes with, almost, or initially when starting like that almost the chicken before the egg, like you had to find the nonprofits, but you then also had to get people signed up as a, as a donor. Was that a challenge initially? Is it ever still a challenge?
0: Absolutely. And we're still working through a lot of that uh, today. Uh, Being, being a very young company, uh, our solution is not a ubiquitous solution. And so it's not something that Every nonprofit has. In fact, it's just a very, very small amount of them do. And so we are, are constantly just kind of, um, you know, trying to, trying to introduce it into, into new giving ecosystems and, and getting the uh, nonprofit to embrace it. Because you don't have donors coming to them saying, hey, like, I want to give to you, but I, I want to give to you in this way. Uh, you don't get that kind of feedback the the nonprofits are are the ones soliciting to donors and, and donors only give if they're solicited and so uh, very much a, a chicken and the egg and trying to show success like early on when you have such a limited amount of data and sample size was uh, a, certainly a, a very very hard thing to do and we're we're slowly continuing to gain more momentum more momentum, but uh, we expect it to become like ubiquitous um, as soon as some of our, our larger ones start rolling with it. And then that provides the kind of a cover for the smaller ones to to mm-hmm. get behind it and push it harder.
1: Is there also kind of a, and I'm excited to play around on the, the software and, but I guess from the consumer standpoint, do you also help match them with like, I'm interested in animals or I'm interested in helping kids and then you can provide a list because I think sometimes that's daunting for someone who wants to give but where do you start and who do you, you know who do you give to and um, have you guys kind of worked in that in some of the, the design
0: And so early on we we just kind of took the approach of um, having the nonprofit be the leader of the marketing and so we give the solution to them and we help them promote it through the channels that they already have established but soft giving really sits in the background. And what we learn from that is if you're just marketing to the list you already have, you're not reaching new donors. You're not reaching new supporters that might care about you. And so what we are now doing is we're rolling out with uh, an influencer program where uh, we're engaging with social media influencers and we're connecting them with nonprofits that have a, a similar mission to to whatever that influencer is. Uh, Believes in and saying, Hey, you know, this is a perfect match. Uh, you're promoting, you know, these athletic brands or these restaurants or these various different things. Well, your supporters or your followers obviously care about that. So, how about you promote then uh, ways that they can give to these nonprofits that share those same causes? And we then build in incentives. For the the influencer and for their uh, followers to engage in giving is a way of really opening up a whole new uh, stream of a fundraising that that doesn't exist today.
1: Wow, I, I'm excited to to see where that goes. I think that's a very innovative idea um, by just leveraging kind of the power of the social networks and influencers. I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about the team, how you built the team, who's on the team, how big is the team? Uh, Are you still wearing quite a few hats? Like what does your day-to-day look like?
0: Sure. So right now we have uh, 10 people on the team. We started with, uh, at the beginning of last year, uh, January 1st, we had two people. And so now we're up to 10. We've... um, hired some developers and so we have four developers and three of them are in Athens. One of them's in Michigan. Uh, We have six people in our main office here in Atlanta and uh, three of them work on um, kind of the operations and marketing. And then two of them are in business development and then myself. Uh, The way the team kind of grew is we would keep having different opportunities come our way and we would start staffing up. To uh, anticipate the the growth that we would see from the the larger nonprofits and the need to scale our operations, and so we would just start uh, really getting the feel um, for for different people through just different networking and LinkedIn and just references through people we knew and uh, my development. We we found somebody in Athens through a, an IT recruiter and brought them on board and now that developer has brought on then his own team of people that he knows and trust and has worked out really well they half of them came from stitch fix because they wanted to be part of a, a team that had a, a great social mission and doing social good wasn't just like a side project for us but was truly what the business model was uh, the same with some of the others uh, one my uh, my co-founder chip Harden. He had been at Bank of America merchant services and Tim and I had met at a dinner and talk payments for, for a couple hours and, and just really geeked out on it. And then uh, a few months later he was looking for like a new opportunity and he, he called me up and we grabbed coffee and uh, just halfway through the coffee. I'm just like, you, you need to come on my team. Like you need to be a part of it. And, and he came on and he, uh, he has sold, you know, just massive nonprofits ever since just really kicked everything into high gear and has also led the charge on, um, our partnerships. And so we're about to uh, do a formal press release announcing a a partnership with First Data, which is, um, I'm sure anybody in the FinTech space that is, uh, one of your listeners knows they're, you know, a top 100, uh, payment, um, processor and, uh, you know that was something that that chip brought us and worked through his relationships and for a company of our size to be able to to get that kind of partnership in place uh you know it doesn't just happen it it, it only happens if you have really good people in place that that work well as a team and uh and we're we're very lucky to have have that
1: that's amazing so from 2 to 10 in in less than a year I mean, what, what have been some challenges in scaling a team and, I mean, building a culture and maintaining that culture? I mean, are there any moments that come to mind of like, dang, that was really hard? <laughs> <laughs> or the whole year? Yeah, I was say, like, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: what's been hard? Everything. Everything has been really hard. Um, I mean, we, I mean, so much of it is just like you come into it with like preconceived notions of what the customer's going to do and the customer's customer is going to do and um in what your team's going to do and as soon as the rubber hits the road everything gets blown up and you have to put it all back together again um, we've had some hires that have been just not worked out at all and have been really big mistakes and cost us a lot of time and money we've had other hires that have just been incredible and and through those that you hire, that's how we establish our culture. And our culture is really that of we're solving really hard problems. We're all super stressed all the time uh, trying to, to get through and, and, and get things up and running. But we, we manage that stress by being able to collaborate together and communicate well and, and help the next person be successful at their job. Because by doing that, then we're successful at ours. Uh, but, I mean, the first year we had, you know, two different development shops that we had hired to help build the solution, or I, I did because it was just really me at the time, and they were huge failures um, and cost us a ton of money and a ton of time. We uh, We spent a lot of time last year, like, guessing and, and trying to figure out like the proper way of marketing our solution and getting different pieces of technology up and running and Just things would go wrong left and right uh, that we would just be super jazzed and then uh, humbled very quickly and uh, That is just that's just the story of it. I mean, that's day in and day out like we we maintain uh, relentless optimism and In positivity, but we, we face the, you know, the wrath of reality frequently as well, but, but we just work through it and we, we learn from those mistakes and learning from uh, the different things that happened to us. And then we say like, okay, this is a problem. How do we make it? So uh, instead of it being a liability, it's an asset for us. And that's how the payment technology became what it was today. That's how, things like the influencer program even came to the the forefront is because we just faced constant problems. And we finally put our heads together and figured out a solution.
1: Yeah, I love that what you just said about relentless optimism. Um, seems like the highs are really high and then the lows are really low. And certainly the people piece is for us the most challenging. I mean, the best part of the day too, but also sometimes certainly the most challenging. So I can relate to that. Um, the, uh, just have a couple more questions. The employees what?
0: can bring me, you know, there's you no know, part of the company that can bring me more joy and like more pain. Like, yeah. and, and, it's you, like, and that's before lunch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why did I start? A company like, oh
0: God, I'm a babysitter. Like I'm not even a CEO anymore. I'm just babysitting.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes. The, but we'll have another conversation, maybe over drinks. Yeah,
0: hopefully they don't um, <laughs> listen to the same time soon. But we'll see.
1: Well, a couple more questions. So we'd love to hear so just kind of touch on challenges and you know, all of that in business. But what is there one defining moment that's maybe been the most rewarding or something you're just super jazzed about right now?
0: Yes. Yeah, so we had a campaign last year with uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting and it was a day-long radio drive. And this was when we were really, this was like when we were like three months old. And it was like the most exciting and depressing day, like all in the same, where we had all these donors that we signed up like more than ever, like in this one day. But then there were all these failures to sign up all at the same time. And we we learned more about like our system and our solution in that 24-hour period than than any day ever since. And we we're able to take that and go to the drawing board and we've made all these improvements to our software and to our marketing and now that same uh, public radio is going to be launching uh, a two-day campaign next week where we are we are thrilled to see like in the numbers like how much we've improved because we expect to see like an exponential improvement over what we did last year and, and that is just gonna resonate just through everything that we've done and, and really um, provide that, that spark to, to keep going forward. Uh, the other piece that we have coming up is, we, uh, Chip, uh, signed uh, World Vision uh, last year and World Vision is the third largest centrally run nonprofit in the world. And they're launching like a they're doing a mass campaign using our solutions to their supporters and donors um, that will will just change everything for us, you know, for for forever. And it um, it was one of those opportunities that we got through a cold call and we were able to land the business and single handedly has helped us raise um, more money and and recruit more people and, and sign up more nonprofits. And now it's coming to fruition where that campaign will be be launching and uh, we couldn't be more excited.
1: That's so exciting. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I also love um, like that one day of just learning so much. And I often reflect with my business partner and co-founder of like that day was horrible, but I am so thankful. we went through X, Y, Z because now either we have a better process or a better system in place or now we'll make that mistake again. And, um, I, I, yeah, it's interesting kind of reflecting of like in that moment, you're like, shoot, this is horrible. What are we going to do? And then reflecting, it's always like, well, thank goodness it happened because now we're better and stronger and all of, all of the above.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you don't, you don't grow, um, in times of like easiness and and complacency, like you grow when times are hard, and uh, the the difference between a successful company and a in a uh, you know a company that fails is is just the the belief and energy behind the idea. As long as all that is still there the 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 company will succeed. And so even though we didn't get as many donors as we had hoped.
1: Well Matt, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about Soft Giving?
0: Sure. So um, we have a website, uh, www.softgivingcom where there's a, a lot more information about what we do and the different services that we provide. Uh, there's ways to just fill like a contact form where somebody in Business development can reach out to them and uh, help them get set up to, uh, are their nonprofits set up? Um, I'm also available, um, matt at softgiving.com is my email address. Always happy to, to field any inquiries and any questions and, and help anybody any way I can.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for carving out the time. I'm certainly excited to follow along and I imagine our listeners are as well.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me today.